dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sir, he did. Touchdown to Detroit Lions. You're listening to the One Podcast. What's up, Lions fans? Tori Petri here with another episode of the One Pridecast. I have returned from the draft. I am almost recovered. The draft week is so crazy for us, but it was a really fun one. We got to go to Nashville and enjoy the sights and sounds of Music City. It was a great time, and the city did an awesome, awesome job putting on the draft. And now we are back from the draft with nine new Detroit Lions. There are so many pieces of breakdown content on DetroitLions.com between Tim and Mike's articles, my videos. There is a recap video of the entire draft from Tim, Mike, and I. You can hear my thoughts on the draft on Tori's take. But today we are taking the podcast to get some perspective from a national analyst. On today's podcast, Charles Davis from NFL Network joins me to break down the Lions' entire draft class. He was so gracious to spend some time with us after being on TV what felt like 24-7 over the past week, breaking down all of the draft picks from all 32 teams, but he actually takes some time out of his day once he got back home to call us and break down the Lions draft. He does such a great job giving us some insight on all of these guys. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. He really breaks down each one so well and helps us get to know these guys even better. Here's my conversation with Charles Davis. Become a Lions season ticket member today and gain access to the most favorable seating locations at Ford Field, exclusive member events, discounts on Lions merchandise, and personalized account service. Secure your seat today. Call 313-262-2222 or visit DetroitLions.com for more information. Joining me now on the One Pridecast is NFL Network's Charles Davis. Charles I know you had a crazy week at the draft. We appreciate you joining the podcast so much to break down the Lions picks. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciated your patience in Nashville (laughs) waiting for me for a bunch of a variety of reasons, and uh, you've always been so great to me. This is Lee Spikin, too. Well, you've been great to us as well. We, uh, For those who uh, follow along with the Detroit Lions website, you saw that we chatted with Charles just ahead of the draft. We talked about who uh, the Lions might pick. Uh, we got together with him at the, Lion, or at the NFL Network's media luncheon where they give us a chance to talk to the NFL Network personalities, and Charles caught up with us there, and we talked about uh, his mock draft. I mean, Charles, just visiting that conversation again, we talked about Ed Oliver, and he was on the board when the Lions picked, and they opted not to go with him. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting decision in terms of, you know, when you look at the Lions and what your screaming needs are, you would think defensive line, edge rusher, any type of a pass rusher, and Ed Oliver still being there seemed like a natural fit in terms of player. But the thing is, as you guys know, as you know, Tori, we're not always privy and usually <laughs> never privy to anyone's draft board. And when you look at it, how we might rate someone might be different than how other, what other people do. But there was plenty of conversation prior to about a tight end and whether or not the Lions might actually go there. And I think what we all came down on was, one, you could not go there because of Eric Ebron, you know, who didn't work out quite as well in Detroit, doing much better in Indianapolis, and that wouldn't excite your fans as much. Or two, hey, it didn't work one time, doesn't mean you don't go back again if you have conviction on the right guy. And the number one tight end in the draft on most people's boards, T.J. Hawkinson was there. Right. So he must have been higher rated for the Detroit Lions board, 
and there he is sitting there. So Matthew Stafford in the Lions offense gets a terrific weapon. And as you try and increase the run game, the best blocking tight end in the draft. And they thought that combo was too good to turn down, made plenty of sense, and they decided to go in that direction. For fans who may feel a little wary of picking a tight end just because of how tight ends have worked out here in the past, what can you tell them about who you expect TJ Hawkinson to be in the NFL? Well, if you talk to all my colleagues, they think that this guy is the best combo tight end in the draft. He's a mauler as a blocker. He's not just a guy that, that positions you and moves you out of the way. He's one. He's like an offensive lineman in terms in terms of nastiness and wants to finish you. And you can find plenty of tape where he gets on a block and he doesn't stop until that guy is planted on his back, or right. knocked over the sideline, or what have you. So you love that about him. But sometimes when we get excited about that, and you probably watch it during the run up to the draft, Tory. You know, we show so many of those highlights, and we're like, ooh, yeah, boom, bam. <laughs> now, it's almost like an old Batman sitcom, biff, bam, but, you know, <laughs> the whole deal, that we forget that he's an excellent receiver. And sometimes that, that gets lost. And I think we're so used now to, used to tight ends now almost being one or the other that when we get a combo guy, we still lean towards one skill versus the other. And that's what people have to get past with this kid. He is nimble. He's fast down the middle of the field. He runs routes well. He has excellent hands. I've, I think he was the second best tight end in terms of pass catching downfield because I thought his teammate Noah Fant was a little better than, than him at that in terms of the bigger plays. But I think it'd be a dead heat if you just talk about absolute receiving ability. He's got all of that. And I'll just throw one more thing in there. He's young. He's a redshirt sophomore. And it's funny, and I mentioned this during the draft, it's funny how when it's a quarterback, Tory, and he's a redshirt sophomore like a Dwayne Haskins, we lock in on his youth and talk about he needs time and maybe it'd be better if he didn't play right away. You think anyone's going to say that about a 20-year-old tight end? <laughs> Not at all. We're going to expect him to be on the field, be mature, make plays right out of the gate. So the reason I bring up that youth is I think that there's a huge upside with him as well. He's still growing into his body, still growing into the position. I think he'll only get better. But I think his hands are one of the things that if I were a Lions fan, I'd be encouraged about that. Mm. Because even with Eric Ebron, as you might re- as you remember, there was a little bit of a question mark about consistency in catching the ball coming out of school. And unfortunately, that showed up too many times for Detroit. Sure. Well, tight end was definitely the Lions' weakest position group on the field last year. It was definitely an area that they needed to address this offseason. They bring in Jesse James, but now they have TJ Hawkinson as well. And Bob Quinn said that this allows them to run more two tight end sets under Daryl Bevel, which is something that he wants to do. Do you think that drafting TJ Hawkinson makes the Lions' offense with Matthew Stafford better? Oh, no doubt about it. Makes it better in every aspect. I think what Bob Quinn said, I would co-sign off of that. I also think the passing game were a few more quote-unquote easier throws. What I mean by that is what I call sight line throws, Tori. The tight end, a lot of their routes stay right in the middle of the field. You know, when I say right in the middle of the field, right across the sight line of the quarterback, and you're able to get the ball to your hands quickly, get it to someone, and let them do work downfield. I think there's no doubt that it makes them better. 
And what I found interesting is, as you pointed out, offseason, Jesse James comes over, right? Guess what? The Lions went back in the draft and doubled down in the seventh round and got a pretty regarded tight end in Isaac Nauta from the yeah. University of Georgia. So competition in the tight end room really jumped up and got big. Yeah, they certainly addressed that position this offseason, no doubt. But you and I talked before the draft, and uh, we kind of got the feeling that the Lions would address the defense. Now, they didn't do that in the first round, but they certainly did that in rounds two through five. They went straight defense after picking TJ Hawkinson for several rounds. And the first guy that they went with was a linebacker out of Hawaii, Jelani Tavai. This pick surprised a lot of people. What did you think of it? Yeah, I think it surprised it surprised me as well, only because I didn't expect him to go as high as the Lions had him rated on their board. But if I remember correctly, that was a position we talked about probably, yeah. what, a month before the draft. Yeah. And I think we were talking more about first round, that that could be one of those surprise, and I'm doing Joey Tribbiani air quotes there, <laughs> you know, picks that the Lions could make that instead of going with the edge rusher or the defensive lineman, that they could go linebacker, which initially surprised me because of Jared Davis's presence there. But I think they were thinking maybe Jared could slide outside, bring in another inside guy. I don't know if, how they're planning on doing this with Tavai, but he's a bigger linebacker. And in today's game, that's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit off the beaten path because the top-rated linebackers in the draft, Devin White from LSU, Devin Bush from Michigan, they fit more in the mold of a Deion Jones in Atlanta, a Quan Alexander now in San Francisco. A little bit smaller, lightning quick, but still bring the thump with them. Devise a bigger guy that thumps pretty well. This is going to be an interesting deal. But, as you said, addressing defense. Devise comes into it. Then in the next round they go Will Harris defensive back, a nice safety that I like a bunch. Um, then they end up going with Austin Bryant who is listed as a linebacker and played defensive end at Clemson. Let's see if they decide to stand him up and play him out as an outside linebacker with a little bit more size. And then a guy that went lower than I expected him to go, Imani Arroyo-Warrier. i got to get it correct. One of these days I will. <laughs> it's a tough game. one. <laughs> but, but for the, he's a corner from Penn State. A long corner, has plenty of length, but also a 200-plus pound corner. So he's got a little size that should be able to stand up on that corner and think about what you're dealing with in the NFC North. Green Bay says they want to run the ball more, right? Chicago drafted a highly regarded running back in Devin Montgomery, and Tariq Cohen's already there. So you talk about in your own division. Oh, yeah, in Minnesota, all we've heard since, since last year, Mike Zimmer, I want to run the football more. I want to run the football more. So over Warrior gives you a better opportunity on the corner as a guy who can hold up that way but also gives you length to cover receivers downfield. So you think the Lions got good value in, in getting him all the way in the fifth round? He was yeah. a guy you were surprised was there. Yeah, I think it's excellent value to get him in the fifth round because cornerbacks are always difficult to find, as you well know. And I had a better grade on over Warrior than fifth round. But I also will tell you there is a quote-unquote stigma, if for lack of a better word, people wonder about that, and you hear it all the time, Penn State Corners. How many of them have panned out? How many of them have given us good play? And you run into that. I don't know that I buy into those things. Some of that becomes Bigfoot. But at the mm -hmm. same time, those types of things do happen, right? You know, we tell you, if you were saying you were drafting a linebacker out of Penn State, you'd jump on that in a heartbeat because linebacker you persists. 
But when you say a Penn State corner, everybody goes, name the best, best Penn State corners. Who are they? Who are they out there? And that's what you end up running into. I think in this case, excellent value in the fifth round on him because I think he could have gone as high as the third. Well, it's interesting because, you know, he the Lions got him at a, a lower pick than many predicted, and they got Jelani Tavai at a higher pick than many predicted. So it's almost a trade-off because you get a guy that many predicted as a as a day three pick uh, in Jelani Tavai on your day two, and Amani Oruwarie was predicted to be a day two pick, and you get him on day three. So in my eyes, that's kind of a, a bit of a trade-off, and, and the Lions get two guys that they really like. Yeah, that's a good point. And the bottom line is we say this, about where we expected them to go. The lines are like, no one asked us and no one looked at our grades. <laughs> our grades said that we took them when we took them, and there was a reason why we took them in that spot. So, And I think in the case of Tavai, it really would hold up that they would have a higher grade in order to take him in the second. Over Warrior, they may have had a higher grade on him, and as you said, might have become a value pick because other people kept passing on it while the Lions addressed other players or other needs that they were looking for. So you never know how it goes. But I think seeing Tavai in the second round tells me pretty strongly that the Lions had a very good grade on him. Now, whether other people did or not, the Lions don't really care. And, you know, I was thinking about this on my flight today, Tori. Every single player that's selected in this draft down the road will say, yep, we knew he would be great. Yep, I thought he would bust. Oh, I didn't know he would be that good. <laughs> wow, I thought he would play better. Bottom line is every guy drafted in this is drafted on spec. It doesn't matter what number he went in the draft, who took him, how it went. Giants fans are losing their mind because of Daniel Jones, <laughs> quarterback out of Duke. But if he turns out to be a great player, you won't find a Giants fan in the metropolitan area that didn't tell you. I told you those kids from Duke can play. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just how it always works, right? Everyone's taking on spec. Everyone's doing it with their best educated you know, analysis, and here we are. So that, that's kind of how that works. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's only uh, time will tell how good these guys are and, and if they live up to what has been predicted of them by the scouts and the GMs that have drafted them. Now, I thought this was a really interesting comment from Bob Quinn that he made here in Allen Park after his day three picks. He said that when it comes to day three, you really stick closely to the board. You reach less and less for players on day three uh, because you just want to stick to the board. He didn't feel like he had any gaping holes on his roster, any huge positions of need at that point that he really needed to draft. So he just stuck to the board. And that's how the Lions ended up with another tight end in Isaac Nada. And then they draft, you know, PJ Johnson there at the end of the draft. And they also add a wide receiver out of Old Dominion, Travis Fulham, and running back out of Maryland, Ty Johnson. Uh, do you think any of those guys can, can really add value to this Lions roster since that was, you know, kind of Bob Quinn's? philosophy was to just draft based on their board grades yeah yeah you know Tori when you when you look at it and I go back to mine and I can't speak for Bob Quinn other than to address what he said about sticking to the board philosophy of him philosophy of the lines now because he is a general manager so you stick to your board you will have other teams that will tell you in the later rounds they may take a flyer or two yeah. You know what I mean? They may go off their board and say, hey, that guy's still sitting out there. There's some particular skill that he has. You know, I'm going all Liam Neeson here, right? <laughs> He's got a particular set of skills we want. I'll go off my board to get him because we're in the sixth or the seventh round. You know, that's sort of a deal. So Bob Quinn says, I stick to my board. So, again, you're now saying that Fulham 
out of Old Dominion, who I liked, and I thought had a really good senior bowl week. I think he'll come in and contend right away. And we do run into receivers, don't we? Fifth, sixth, seventh round, that become very good players in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mr. So this is the, 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 the self-named Mr. Big Chest, Antonio Brown, was a sixth. Six-round pick out of out of Central Michigan. That tended to work out pretty well for Pittsburgh. It did. So we can see that happening. I thought he had a very nice week and was an underrated player. Ty Johnson is explosive out of Maryland. And what he can contend for right away is kick return ability. Kick return, you know, uh, the kick return job right away as he tries to work into being part of the running back rotation. Nauta, we already talked about P.J. Johnson. You're trying to add a little depth and competition at the defense on the defensive front. He allows you to do that. So, again, that tells you if they're sticking to their board, these are guys they had rated, not necessarily in those rounds, Tori. They could have had them rated higher, but these guys fell to them because sure. other people didn't take them. So you, you just have to see how that all plays out. But the guys I'm really excited about out of that group are Ty Johnson, the running back, and Fulham, the, the, the wide receiver, Nauta we already addressed. I just think that those two have something that's going to give competition and will be some, and we'll, we'll see as they go along if they're able to participate in camp, not get hurt, all those things. They may very well open up some eyes because Johnson, I'm telling you, is explosive as, as, as it gets. And if he gives a little sliver of daylight, he can flat out go. And I think he matured a lot in his time in Maryland. Sure. Such great insight on all of the Lions draft picks. Charles, thank you so much for spending some time chatting about the Lions draft with us. I know it was a crazy week for you in Nashville, which, by the way, what did you think of the draft being in Nashville? I know I know you love Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, that's my, that's my home state. That's where I was born. That's where I went to college. But it was, it was unbelievable. Whatever we thought going into Nashville, Tori, it got exceeded. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Exceeded. I know the league is saying estimated 600,000 people attended. There's no way we can say exactly what that number was, but it sure felt pretty close to that. Yeah. It wasn't that. I mean, it was incredible. And what was even better was, I, and I've seen this at all the drafts now that we've had the outside stuff, you don't see problems, quote-unquote, with the draft. Like, all these people come together, and it's almost like an incredible street fair it is. People razz each other for their team, they wear their <laughs> jerseys, they do stuff, but you don't see them throw down, you know? And I just love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's almost like a community spirit to this thing, and I think that's why it's allowed the league to continue to try and plan these types of drafts and continue to make them bigger and more expansive in the whole deal because if we were having a whole lot of problems out there in the crowds and, you know, Eagles fans throwing down with Cowboys fans and, you know, Lions <laughs> fans taking on Packers fans and squaring off, if we had that sort of thing, I don't think the appetite for it would be the same. But, right, Tori, we've been in Chicago, yeah, Philadelphia, Dallas slash Arlington, and now here in Nashville, and I can't think of one time I've heard we've had that type of a problem. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I I really thought the draft in Nashville was amazing. I thought the atmosphere was incredible. I thought Nashville, the city, did a great job of of putting on a show and, you know, closing off Broadway for, uh, you know, so much activity. It was wild seeing the streets completely full. But what I really liked was I felt like the draft in Nashville had so much personality of the city that it was in. More, More personality than any city that we've visited so far, and I loved that part about it. 
Yeah, it didn't hurt at all when Tim McGraw comes across yeah. the stage. And <laughs> help, helps with a draft pick. And, you know, the Titans guys representing themselves there with Eddie George and Jarrell Casey, et cetera. But there's Tim McGraw. He waves to the crowd. And then guess what? I'm going to give you an hour concert when yeah. the picks are done. And then next thing you know, we're turning around. And I don't I can't remember who it was, but uh, it might have been Chris, Chris Young. And then next thing you know, here's Dirks Bentley. Right. Who has a bar right down there <laughs> on that street. You know, and he's and he's given a concert to end the draft. You don't get too many bigger names in country music coming out and giving you concerts that are quote unquote free at the draft than Dirk Bentley and Tim McGraw. Yeah. I mean, I was fired up for those. I was like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, can they do it in between picks? You know, do a song do a song, right. do a pick, do a song. That would have been really cool. But you're right, the personality of Nashville came through in a big way. The city represented and the state represented and everyone who came and visited, I think, left there pretty well. And in the middle of the whole thing, they found a way to put on a marathon on Saturday morning before we Wild. got going with, <laughs> with, the, with the last day of picks. Absolutely, unbelievably amazing. And I was almost upset that the Predators in hockey didn't win. <laughs> Wednesday night would have been game seven. Yeah. They won that. Saturday would have been game one. How cool would that have all been? Would have just that to the mess. Yeah, added to the craziness. But it was <laughs> but definitely was great, fun. Great draft. It was. It was. Well, thank you so much, Charles. You've been awesome. Thank you for uh, giving us some time after a busy week. We appreciate it. Hope hopefully you get some rest after the draft. Yeah, I'll work on that. And thank you all for uh, putting up with this voice. I apologize for for any of that strain you might hear, but. Uh, we're going to get better and things and we'll keep moving on. <laughs> no worries. I think, you've, I think you've used it quite a bit in the last week, so it's pretty understandable. Thanks a lot, Tori. You take care. Thanks, you too.